Oh, yeah, okay. I've obviously heard of Newcastle. Yeah. You guys are famous for being hard to understand, but I can understand you guys no problem. <laughs> we have a we have very very weak accents, Yusuf especially. Yeah. We can't, yeah, we're we're very Queen's English, I think. <laughs> um, oh. <laughs> Welcome to another episode of the Propane Fitness Podcast. We have another guest with us today, Yusuf and myself here as always. And our guest is a guy called Jason Maxwell, who is currently surviving minus ten Celsius in toronto i believe jason's from jmax fitness awesome website if you haven't already read it we've written some articles for them before in the past jason do you want to say hi and just tell us a bit about yourself hey what's going on guys yeah i'm surviving the uh the minus 10 weather for sure but it's funny a couple days ago it was 10 degrees and we were snowshoeing and i had to take my shirt off so i literally had no shirt on as i was uh snowshoeing in it it felt amazing. So maybe maybe I've kind of built up a little bit of that uh, that tolerance to the cold. So for me, it doesn't sound that cold. Um, but yeah, I'm Jason Maxwell. I run jmaxfitness.com. I've been running jmax fitness for like what six or seven years now. Um, I originally I was I, I say I'm a rocket scientist turned fitness professional because I started my um, kind of my career in schooling for aerospace engineering. And I was I was doing really well. I was the top three in the class, um, but just my passion and my love wasn't there for aerospace engineering. I was into fitness. I was into changing my body. I started lifting like last year in the last year of high school because um, we were playing football, uh, not the football that you guys like, um, or maybe you do like it, but American football. And and I got hurt. Um, and I was trying to like rehab an injury, but I also was trying to get stronger for football so I didn't get hurt again. Uh, and that kind of ignited my love for it. And I, I eventually, I, I put up JMAX Fitness just as a hobby. Um, I just wanted to write about something that I loved about. So I was just writing on my blog and it started taking off. And I realized, you know what? Let's go all in on this and make this my career. Let's focus on my passion. So I graduated top three of my class in aerospace engineering, and I never looked back. I went and I did my passion. I started uh, working as a personal trainer downtown Toronto. Uh, eventually, that led to JMAX Fitness started blowing up. So I, I moved abroad, and I was living in uh, in Malta for the past three years, and then I just moved back to Toronto. Um, and what I, we like to focus on is just – using you know science and case studies and using stuff that i found to work really well for building muscle uh, getting stronger and losing fat it sounds like a very similar genesis um to propane fitness as well um for for those who don't know um johnny and myself were both working in the financial sector and again it just hearts weren't in it and you can just see that there's no way that you can maintain that level of of passion in something that you know, interested in. And, you know, I've, um, we both had a keen interest in physiology of metabolism and the just applying evidence-based rules to produce results and, uh, and apply to, to clients. So, um, yeah, very, very similar. Mm. It's, yeah, it's nice hearing that it's sort of a similar backstory because a lot of people are like, I was a personal trainer and then, and kind of it leads into online world. But I think there's a few, you heard of, heard of Andy Morgan before? Oh yeah, yeah, of course. Yeah, he's he's in Japan, I think. Isn't he is. He? he is. So, 
when we were chatting to Andy, he's been on the podcasts before in the past. He's a economist turned um, online coach as well. So um, it is interesting. I think it from reading your content, Andy's content, gives a different sort of perspective on things. Mm-hmm. What what have you found? Your your background obviously isn't in pure fitness. It isn't in exercise science. How have you found that sort of affects and influences what you do content wise and just everything you do with JMAX? Okay, so I kind of look at myself as a scientist, even when it comes to to fitness. Um, you need to have some rational thought. You need to question some things that you read and say, is this accurate or is this just like a, a BS article that someone just wanted to write and has never tried it? Um, and I think that that's one thing that I definitely pulled uh, from aerospace engineering is you need to kind of question things. Um, but you can't just say, oh, that'll never work. You also need to try it as well. So one thing that I'm I'm big on is I always try um, things that other coaches are using to get great results because in the end, I want to be as good as possible and I want to use things that, use, that work really, really well. Um, and the only way to do that is to use things that other people are saying that works and test it yourself. Test it on yourself, test it on your clients. Um, look at the research, see what the research says because the research in the end is showing how much stuff that, uh, or it's, it's using a, a large sample of people that are, uh, are doing whatever this method is. Um, so that's one thing I definitely pulled from it. Another thing too is just pure physics, looking at in your workout, what, how am I going to get the biggest, um, how am I going to put the most tension in a muscle? So kind of like the biomechanic biomechanics, looking at like things like torque moment arms, um, which, uh, where, where the force is actually going. So it's little tweaks of manipulating your body so that you can, uh, so you can put tension in a certain muscle. Um, here's an example of that. When you're, if you're doing just like a simple barbell curl standing and you're just curling the bar up straight. Um, but what I found is if you slightly lean forward and then you kind of have your arms a bit out as almost, almost like you're doing partly a, a preacher curl without the preacher bench. And what that allows you to do is keep the tension on your biceps throughout the full movement. Um, so little things like that, I, I really geek out on. I, th- I think it's really cool. So little tweaks to kind of optimize stuff and also um, the, just try to look up that Bruce Lee quote, um, adapt what is useful, reject what is not, and add what is specifically your own. It sounds like it's very much um, a case in your um, in your case that you, you look at the models that work, adapt it, tweak it, find what's what sticks and use it with your clients. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And one thing for sure is just don't forget things that worked 10 years ago because they're still going to work really well, but you need to compare those with the new things. I think there's always this push for novelty in the fitness industry, isn't there? And, and as you said, when someone you see someone's written an article, not because they've tried it or because it works, but just because they need to just pump out an article about something and actually it may just be the agenda to just get hits rather than actually to make a difference with clients. Yeah, actually, I have a good example of that. Someone I highly respect, Dan John. What <clears throat> happened was um, a site, a certain uh, fitness site, wanted him to write an article on um, this. Uh, I think it's called the Ten Thousand Kettlebell Swing Challenge, and he said, 
guys, I'm not going to write an article on this because I've never done the program. So he's like, give me six weeks and I'll do the program and then I'll write about it. So <laughs> I, th I thought that was a, a great thing that he did. I'm surprised that he, yeah, because I mean, to do 10,000 kettlebell swings is a bit of an undertaking. Mm. And if you're just doing it... <laughs> the lifestyle. Yeah, <laughs> just doing it so that you can write an article, you think like, damn. Is that, that must be T Nation, I guess. Yeah, 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 for sure. I have, I have some it's... close friends who've done that program because Dan John talked about it in an article it's quite cool i didn't realize that the backstory was he had to go and do the program before talking about it it's very credible from his perspective <laughs> yeah yeah that that's why i still think dan john is the man mm. yeah so much of his stuff is uh i think like he was one of the first t nation contributors and a lot of his there's a lot of the stuff he wrote about just like basic principles like the you know like hinge carry all that all that you know the, the movement patterns that he talked about a lot of his articles still to this day are like talked about and shared which is i think the sign of a of a good writer firstly but like someone who has original thought and original ideas as well mm -hmm. yeah it's awesome so what we're going to chat about mainly today i suppose is the topic of of bringing up weak body parts or specifically the concept of specialization but weak body part specialization and how we might use that in training so we don't talk about training tactics that much i suppose that podcast is, is usually strategy and like avoiding things that we've failed with in the past and kind of moving people towards best practice but do you want to talk to us i know that you've got a lot of your content at the moment you've got a product coming out on upper body specialization do you want to talk to us mm -hmm. a little bit about what you've been doing with that topic at the moment and your experience with it yeah sure so there's i guess there's a bit of a story behind that as i told you i got injured when i was playing football when i was um 18 or 17 or whatever and uh, it was a knee injury so what happened was that I could I couldn't really train the leg that had the the knee injury so I started training the other leg on its own and I was using you know Bulgarian split squats and everything and when I finally did rehab the knee I I realized that I didn't really lose much strength in that knee at all um and in fact, I didn't lose any strength in that knee, which was kind of strange. I didn't lose any strength in that leg. And I was able to match what I was doing on the other leg in weight on Bulgarian split squats. So I found that kind of interesting. Um, and so what I started doing was I started training my legs four days a week because I didn't want to get injured in my legs again. And my upper body stayed the same and my legs just kept getting bigger and bigger and bigger. And my legs outgrew my upper body. So I started looking kind of funny. Um, like a to me, to me, yeah, it was just like, you know, that punching bag that has sand in the bottom of it and you punch it and it comes back up and it's like <laughs> a clown. I used to have one of those when I was little and, um, and, and that, that's what I felt like. What'd you say? <laughs> What'd you say? Uh, yeah. That, that you, you ended up becoming one effectively. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, um, um, I was like, man, I, I got to really do something about my upper body. And I was like, okay, well, first of all, my legs are outgrowing my upper body and I'm training my, my legs four days a week. So there's probably something there. I probably shouldn't be training my legs four days a week if I want to uh, build my upper body. So I switched it. Uh, so now I just maintain my legs and I've been doing it for the past year. And I started training my upper body you know, three, four times a week, sometimes two times a week. Uh, so two to four times a week and only train my legs once a week just to maintain. And sometimes I, I'll 
miss that leg workout and I'll just train my legs once every other week. And what I found is my leg size hasn't really, uh, I've been able to maintain the leg size and I haven't really lost much in my legs, but my upper body has grown tremendously in size and strength. Um, And what I started doing was I started using something like a a DUP kind of routine, daily undulating periodization, um, where like one day is like five sets of five, the other day is, you know, four sets of eight to 12 and the next day is three sets of, you know, 12 to 15. Um, and just using it on my whole upper body. And what I found is that frequency is, is really changed my upper body. And that's why I was like, okay, I got to share this program with people. Cause it's, it's a cool program. It's fun because some people hate training their legs. So, you know, a lot of people are going to want to do this program anyways. And, um, and it works really well because it's it's actually a program that I've been playing with for the past year. And I've been doing this program for the past year and tweaking it and getting it to to work as best as possible, but also being fun and not being uh, not being boring. Um, so so that's the story behind that. Yeah, I'm very keen to see it once it's out, actually. That uh, sounds like a fun program to do. You get to skip leg day every other week and uh, <laughs> just... <laughs> embrace curls for the girls that's um, <laughs> yeah good stuff so um how have you then so that so this is to this is to bring up your upper body as a whole um mm. what would you recommend to somebody who let's say they've got lagging body parts how would someone identify what they are and then go on to bring them up so the first thing is the easiest thing is you look in the mirror and you can say okay um my delts aren't the where where I'd like to be, or just something's wrong. Another thing is, if you have a lady in your life, you could just ask her because, <laughs> in in the end, you want to train your body to look aesthetically pleasing. And I think who's the best judge of that is is uh, the woman in your life who has to look at you every day. Um, and if and if uh, you don't have one of those, well, you could always ask your mom. <laughs> <laughs> so the solution: ask your mom. And she will be your physique. I think the only problem coach. that I can see with both with asking those particular women is both of them are biased and maybe mm-hmm. wouldn't want to offend you. I think the best way to do it would be she's just getting a tissue. There's a, a small insect on the desk. On the, there so is just crawling around. Oh. Strip to your <laughs> underpants, run out into the the nearest area where there's a good number of women. Prepare. Mm-hmm. I suppose you might get arrested, but at least you'd get. If you shouted like what which body part should I improve, you'd probably get the most honest answers doing that. <laughs> I can't so, see anything yeah. wrong with, with that approach. <laughs> that, that's what, that's what a great possibly... idea. Just go to the shopping mall. So Nate Green actually did this was years ago. He went around an airport. He was like he did a video, he's like, I'm bored in the airport and I'm gonna go and ask women what their favourite body part on a man is. And he asked like fifteen women and they all said glutes, thighs, shoulders, or back. None of them said arms and none of them said abs and he was like so what the hell are you guys training arms and abs for all the time like were you doing bicep curls yeah nate was the man back in the day Mm. but yeah what i found is women seem to to know when you when you can't tell because for one thing you can only really see the front of your body when you look in the mirror so you can get that much um if if you can take a picture of your back and look at your back um and you can tell right away whether you have that V taper or not, and then you could say, okay, maybe I need to uh, to attack this uh, this back. Um, another thing I like is um, I'm a big fan of this uh, 
the golden uh, ratio, which is the shoulder to, uh, to so the widest part of your shoulder to the lowest part of your your waist. Um, I forget what the exact number is. I think it's one point six one eight something like that. That ratio. So your shoulders need to be one point six one eight times um, the size of your waist, um, and that goes both ways. Just because let's say you need to increase that ratio, which means you need to have wider shoulders. Um, it doesn't mean go and train your delts until you have this, because if you're fat, <laughs> your waist is going to be big and it's going to screw up this ratio. So you need to measure this ratio when you're at um, the leanest, basically your leanest state or your leanest state that you can really maintain uh, without too much effort. Um, that's a good one there. Another one I like to kind of go by is the size of your calves, um, upper arms, and the circumference of your neck all need to be around the same size. And then that's that's if you want to use the pure numbers method, which I know many people probably will. Uh, but if you, you can't be bothered, just look in the mirror or ask your mom or even your, your grandmother. So I think my and, and my grandmother would agree that my my calves are about a tenth of the size of my my neck and arms. <laughs> Me too. <laughs> Forever small calf what problems. What is it? It's team no calf, isn't it? That's the uh, yeah. That's the correct term. I think I've got a two or... inch calf um, circumference. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, maybe you got a bit of problems. I was actually just I had on my own podcast. I had John Meadows on, and he has. He's a pro bodybuilder and he has some of the best calves I've seen in the game. So we were talking about calf training and he told me he was he used to have he used to be part of team no calves, but what he started doing was he started training his calves every single time he worked out and he hasn't stopped and that was like 20 years ago. See, that's someone that we should listen to. Like I think some because when you have someone who's just got big calves, like there's such a genetic component to calf size that someone might just have big calves and train them once a week and be like, oh yeah, this is this is what I do and this is what you should do to get big calves. But actually, if someone's been an ex-member of Team, Team No, no calves, calves and now they're graduated, <laughs> have you heard of a guy called Jeff Alberts from 3DMJ? I've heard of 3DMJ, but I don't think I know Jeff. Jeff's like he's the, the the old guy. <clears throat> yeah, he's like 50s, 60s. Um, 60s was that wrong i thought he's like mid 40s but i might be okay well, <laughs> sorry jeff oh, sorry. hopefully he's not hearing this <laughs> we're, we're hoping to get him on the podcast but he's not going to come not, on anymore. not anymore yeah um so early 30s um and he he talks about he used to have again really small calves and now they're like massive and uh he's uh, very outwardly like no drugs never used drugs never uh, never touched any enhancement like that and the, the development's insane across um however many years it is and he again it's a frequency thing so it's two three times a week um different rep ranges similar to what you were saying about undulating the you know how the dup model works um mm -hmm. not that i would ever, ever suggest anybody use like a dup pile of things type setup for calves necessarily but um i think one he has a heavy day and a light day and, and increased his frequency and he found that that increased the size of his calves I think personally, mm -hmm. I just, I lack the patience. Mm. Like whenever I try, I get, I, you know, it's, it's, it's so, so boring painful. and yeah. But yeah, well actually here's something for you. If, if you, do you think you could train your calves 10 minutes of every workout? It's a lot of time to dedicate to it. Like, <laughs> see, I, I think he wants us to say yes. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, well, well, since you guys definitely want to be training your calves 10 minutes oh, every single great. workout. 
Here, here's a little something I, I pulled from Ben Pakalski, and he said this is how one of the big things that contributed to his calves, because I think he was part of Team No Calves as well. And every single workout for 10 minutes, either at the start or the end, or heck, even in the middle, what he would do is um, he would load up um, a calf machine or train your calves some kind of way. Um, and then he would uh, he would try to get as many reps as possible in uh, in that 10 minute frame with that with that uh, with that weight. And I think once he got to 100 reps in 10 minutes, he'd increase the weight. And then you know keep working, keep working. And then once he got to 100 reps of that in 10 minutes, you increase the weight again. And uh, and that way it's like density training for the calves, and you know that you can get in your calf training in 10 minutes. Like if you have two inch calves, it's probably uh, something you want to try. <laughs> yeah, it's true. It, what, what I've done is I've, I've convinced myself that I'm a power lifter and, and gymnast and that I don't need to even... Um, don't need to worry. Yeah, that, that I, I just wear big trousers and, and pretend that my calves don't exist. So The other yeah. thing as well, like because of where we live, there's maybe... Two few, days of the year? A few weeks of the year where, and it's usually if you go abroad, then you have to worry like... Yeah. And on, on that, while you're wearing shorts when you're abroad, you're like, I really need to train my calves. I really need to train my calves. You come <laughs> home and you're like, oh, you know what? It doesn't matter. It's really painful. I've got a year. Oh, I'll wait till next year. I'll do it next year. Um, yeah, there's there's always uh, calf implants too. Of course. Yeah, of course. I'm so. just saving for mine. <laughs> <laughs> so, so calves is, I guess, for a lot of guys especially, a bit of a sore point. I've tried... I use that, the density protocol you just discussed. I use a lot that with a lot of clients, but typically for, um, they respond really well to it for things like chin-ups and things that are, sometimes people struggle to get like a straight straight set of 12. If you tell them to do density training for 10 minutes and they can do any number of reps, even if it's singles, they tend to respond really well to like the game, the gamified element of that. So I can definitely see the appeal of adding something like that to make something that is incredibly painful and potentially quite boring, a bit of a game trying to hit 100 reps and then and then upping the weight yeah it's totally cool um that that's that's true about the the chin-ups too because one thing i like to do is just like have a total number of chin-ups that you do that day and then the next day do it again but just add one more rep and then just keep doing that and doing that and that totally increases your chin-ups like better than pretty much anything i've seen uh, there's a i'm guessing you've heard of chad waterbury oh yeah yeah for sure so another like old school T Nation contributor. I think we both tried. Did you try his body part spec? No. He has he has like a what's well, high frequency training, I think it's called. I don't know whether it Chad gets a lot of flack online, so I don't, I don't really want to <laughs> side either way. But I tried the program and it's it's a similar thing. So it's like I think chin ups, press ups, and split squats maybe, and you add a rep every day. So you start with whatever your number is, three or five, and every day you perform a set of chin-ups, a set of press-ups, a set of split squats and add add a rep. So again, sounds, oh, I remember when you did that. Yeah, it's it makes you quite sore. Yeah, but, the PLP um, program. That, yeah. That's what that one was. Yeah. Um, the cool thing about that is I don't know why people could really argue with that because it doesn't take a lot out of you to just wake up in the morning and do that program before you, you leave for the day or even just do it throughout the day if you're home. And it's not like it fatigues you so much that you, it's going to be detrimental to your workouts in the gym. Even because once you work up to like 50 reps of each of those per day, um, that's still 50 reps and those rep 50 reps feel pretty easy and it's just your body weight. Um, 
the hardest part is probably on your on your chin ups when you when you do it like like that. But but still, you you've built up this work capacity, so you're able to recover, and the fatigue isn't that bad. So in terms of training tactics, then we're saying that um, if you want to bring up an upper body part, first thing, ask your mom or your grandma um, <laughs> what you should what you should bring up. Um, use or, or use some metrics like the the neck, upper arm, and the calf, or the or golden the ratio shopping um, shopping more test shopping oh yeah or the, the shopping oh, yeah. mall test if you mm. if you want to go balls in and or if you really want to go balls in airport uh, well, yeah airport because then you can't escape except unless you get through some security that may not uh, may not be too happy if you listen to the mike isratel um <laughs> podcast you'll talk about his um antics with uh mike with has airport a, security. a special way of dealing with airport security where he wants to be anally probed he's that's that's the result he's looking for so well uh, if you haven't heard that go back and listen to our listen to our previous podcast with mike so so yeah so we're using um those ratios as kind of the metrics um picking two body parts that you want to bring up and then using frequency and density training um with varying rep ranges throughout the week to bring up those body parts is that does that sum it up yeah uh, essentially yeah and then you have smaller body parts like calves and uh and basically rear delts where you can train more frequently um than than other body parts like if you're training your whole upper body you, i guess you could potentially do it six days per week but it, it's a lot of body parts to be, be to be doing and then fatigue does come into play if, if you have like wicked recovery and by all means go do it um but then something like just a single body part like your chest or I'm going to consider your arms one body part, even though it's not. Um, I would do that like optimally three times per week, maybe four times per week, per week depending how you split it up. Um, but yeah, the whole thing is there is you you change the sets and reps each day. So you're training for for different um different different kind of things like one day would be strength maybe one day is hypertrophy and one day is endurance that's that's more my preferred method and as long as you're getting stronger each and every week on or as long as you're embracing overload so trying to lift more weights or do more reps or at least tie your past performance then you're going to get some great results over time do you find jason that um like whenever i've run specialization programs with clients even when you add this, you know, as you mentioned, like the variety of different goals for each day and being careful of how big is the body part, how much stress can it handle? There's always that, that overarching theme, which is that there's only so much work you can recover from. And obviously when you're specializing in one thing, th that inherently requires you to, to drop the volume or drop the stress in other areas. So do you have a way that you, you do in your programming where you'll say, okay, this week or this block is going to be shoulders? Or do you just have an upper body focus and then a lower body focus? Um, well, no, I don't just have an upper body focus or a lower body focus. Just essentially whatever you're specializing, you're going to be training that a lot. Whether it's your upper body or just like one body part or two body parts per week, you're going to be the, your main focus is going to be on that. And then every other thing that's not that thing that you're specializing, you're only going to train that like once a week. So you're going to step back on that. But with that being said, with the specialization program, I think the goal is to push yourself as far as possible. So you're getting as close to overtraining as possible. 
Um, so then when you back off, you have this super compensation effect. Um, so let me explain it. Let's say you are training your upper body super hard for four weeks, um, three or four times per week, maybe five times per week. And then you step back and you're only training your upper body two times per week. Well, when, when this happens, um, your upper body is still going to be recovering because it's used to recovering very quickly from training so frequently. And what happens is you dial it back and your upper body super compensates. It's, it still has that momentum of recovering. So it allows you to build more muscle, um, and even more strength. And that happens when you, when you deload that certain, certain body part. That's a cool idea. So you're building up your work capacity, recovery capacity during the high frequency period. And then when you drop the frequency, you super compensate and you make better progress on a lower frequency. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So a good example of this, and I've seen this with my eyes many times before, um, but I think it was back in 2012, I released this uh, program called Decembalk. And well, you guys are glowing now. (laughs) You just decided you need the light. (laughs) <laughs> and um and in this program what you do is the last week of it or the last 10 days you're you're training twice per day and you're doing the same po- body part two times in that day so you're purposely forcing yourself to get as close to overreaching as possible and um and then when you back off you are still recovering and you build all this muscle and my my one friend he tried the program he and he had the best results on it. He gained like, I want to say it was like five to eight pounds in that off week. And when I say that off week, so he trained twice per day. And then in the off week, he trained zero times. And in that, in that off week, he gained five, it was like five to eight pounds of lean mass. So we did the body fat me- measurements. So I'm Sounds like, fun. holy crap, it, it, it does work. Albeit he was, he was a newbie. Um, but I've seen people who aren't newbies gain like three pounds in one week uh, just because of the super compensation. So with any specialization program, if you're going to go all in, balls deep, you got to back off and you know embrace the super compensation that happens if you're pushing hard. That's really interesting. So speaking of disembulk then, I've got a question for you on specialization. So I've heard some argue that you don't necessarily need a calorie surplus if you're doing a specialization program that it almost bypasses the need to do that because you're not trying to sort of aiming to systemically gain muscle. I'm not sure I agree, but I'd be interested in, in your thoughts on what you would do with calories and where you would set your macro targets for if you're doing a specialization cycle compared to regular full body training. Yeah. So I'm kind of with you on that because the speed of muscle growth is we we know it's probably between half a pound to a pound per week on an average person like persons like 200 pounds um so so it i i like to set the calories so you're aiming to get that extra calorie load so you're gaining that half a pound to a pound per week because let's say you're specializing your arms and you do gain a pound per week, and most of that is gained on your arms. Well, you know this is kind of like a hypothetical situation, but if you if you are able to gain 
four pounds in four weeks and it's only on your arms like that that's a huge oh god yeah <laughs> massive <laughs> huge yeah. amount um i'm not saying that's that's what happens but in the in the ideal world that that's kind of what you're going for so let's say you're specializing your upper body and you gain you you aim to increase your macros so that you're gaining that that pound per week which essentially is like I think it's like an extra 500 calories per day approximately that you eat to gain that extra pound per week and if you're if you're specializing that body part the goal is that's where the muscle is going to be gained um, when it comes to macros I like to just say okay let's hit a minimum minimum protein requirement which I like to say body weight times one so if you're 180 pounds you're gonna have at least 180 grams of protein per day um, go over if you want um, but just make sure you're within five percent of your calorie targets as well so so it makes it a lot easier because the only thing you're kind of aiming for is the calories and the protein and then the rest of the macros can come from carbs or fats um, so just make sure you're not avoiding any carbs and you're not avoiding any fats so you're having both and you're going to do all right so we're definitely not in a calorie deficit here this is still we're still saying aim for systemic muscle growth and influence mm -hmm. that as much as we can towards the body part that we're putting through this like overreach overtraining cycle yeah because if if you're so serious about building this body part like you only really do a specialization program if if you're kind of screwed in this body part you're like okay i've done everything i can now i need to go all in and and build this body part well if that's the case you're not just going to go all in with your workouts and then eat for maintenance you're going to try to get that sucker to grow so you're going to eat and uh, eat for muscle growth and that's the case cool so your product jason where can we for everybody who's now thinking like i just i just want bigger shoulders or bigger calves and i'm just gonna tell me how to do it tell yeah. me how to do it where do i go um where can we where can we find your product we're going to include a link in the in the show notes but how can we find out more about it yeah, so what I'll do is I'll, I'll make up a, a link for you guys, a special link. So it'll be something like uh, maxfitlab.com slash... Uh, propane. Propane. <laughs> <laughs> well, that was an easy one. Yeah. <laughs> or I'll even... Because I'm, I'm, I have two URLs. One is maxfitlab and one's in jmaxfitness. Um, what I can also do is do one jmaxfitness.com slash propane. Make it easy for everyone. Awesome. We will include that in the show notes. Cool. How can we find out more about you in general, Jason? Um, well, you're gonna have to read my diary. Okay. <laughs> Do you want to send us a copy? We'll put that in the put that in the show notes as well. Yeah, yeah. We'll photocopy it and everything. Um, yeah, definitely. Um, go to jmaxfitness.com. That's that's where all of my best stuff is. You can also go to facebook.com/jmaxfitness. I'm also JMAX Fitness on Instagram. That's where you can see uh, some behind the scenes when I when I do some stories. You can look into my life. Um, basically, every social media thing I can think of is JMAX Fitness, except my Twitter, which I'm some barely on it anyway. So I'm, the, I'm uh, not even Twitter handle. Terrible. Damn. Yeah. So I mean, your your website has got some fantastic content from really good contributors. Um, I was like, having like Johnny from Propane Fitness. Like, like, yeah, this guy Johnny from Propane Fitness, <laughs> and uh, yeah, some some really good stuff on there. So I'd encourage anyone listening to check out the blog. There's some 
really quality information on there. There is, yeah, really good. Cool. All right, Jason. Well, it's been lovely speaking to you. Um, hopefully, everyone has is now feeling sufficiently insecure about their smaller body parts and wants to do something about it. But uh, <laughs> yeah, that's everything from this episode of the Propane Podcast. Thanks, Jason. Um, we'll speak to you soon. Thanks for having me, guys.